We're going to be back in our summer series in Proverbs today. And so if you want to find Proverbs in your Bible, uh, you can do that. A couple questions uh, as we begin. Uh, here's the first. What are your plans for today? Uh, and let me give you a couple clarifying statements. Uh, one, it's not a trap. Uh, it's okay to think about what you have planned for today. Um, it's not a hard question. I just want you to honestly engage that. What are your plans for today? Uh, what are you thinking about doing uh, when you leave here? Uh, what were you thinking about doing when you got up this morning? Uh, who are you going to spend time with? Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? Uh, and even if, if you don't have that in a calendar or an app somewhere, uh, I'm guessing you maybe have some loose idea of what you planned uh, to do today. So what are your plans for today? And I don't want you to try to do any qualifying, if that's a good plan, a lame plan, a, a great plan, or a bad plan. Just, just what are your plans today? Big, small, what are you planning to do today? And so be thinking about those things. And here's the second question, but I will preface it. The second question uh, is not intended to induce any form of guilt. And so if you start to feel some sort of guilt or some sort of shame, just, just throw that away um, because chances are if you don't know what you don't know, you, you can't, can't think about things like this. And so first question, what are, you, what are your plans for today? And the second question is, have you invited God into those plans for today? Have you asked God what he thinks about those plans. Now, for some of you, if you're, especially if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, the whole idea of asking a God that you may not follow or may not believe in what he thinks about your plans just seems kind of absurd. Why would we talk to God about our plans? For some of you who are followers of Jesus, you may even say, I've not really thought about things in that way before, so why would I talk to God about my plans? And I hope that as we journey through a passage in Proverbs today, you'll see uh, the impact and the importance of inviting God into our planning process. But for right now, again, just openly and honestly, I just want you to evaluate. When you think about the plans you have for today, or maybe even the plans you have for this week, the plans you have for this year, at any point, have you said, hey, God, what do you think about what I'm planning? What do you think about what I want to do? What do you think about how I want to use my time today? So what are your plans for today? And have you invited God in and asked him what he thinks about those plans. Here are a few things we know about plans. Uh, plans are a part of being human. Uh, we, we, have, we have plans for so many areas of life. We have floor plans. Uh, we, we plan out how we're going to use the square footage in a home or a business, a commercial facility. We have financial plans, right? We have certified financial planners who will help you plan how to get the most out of your dollars. You have financial plans of what you want to do with money now and in the future. We have family planning. Like there, there are whole books written about how do you plan your family? Are you gonna add to your family biologically? Are you gonna try to do that? Are you gonna adopt? Like how big do you want your family to be? We have career planning and college planning and we have travel planners, vacation planners. Like we are all about planning. We plan how to use our time. We have calendars and we have apps. We have task apps. We, 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 we buy digital and physical planners. I looked up this week and in 2021, uh, Planners, digital and physical planners, were an $1,100 million business in our world, forecasted to grow up until 2028 to become a $1,600 million business in our world. We like our planning, don't we? 
And some of you have so many apps and so many calendars, like, like you're just trying to keep them all straight to get your plans where they need to be. And so as we plan, the question I want us to consider, have we invited God into the planning process? Should we invite God into the planning process? Well, what happens when we do invite God into our plans, big and small, short-term, long-term, mid-term? How do we begin to invite God into our planning? We're in this summer series in Proverbs, and we're gonna be in Proverbs 16 today. The book of Proverbs is a book of ancient wisdom, but it's practical wisdom. It's wisdom for our modern life, primarily because we know that it is God's word and his word is timeless and his word is purposeful and his word is helpful to us. When we come to Proverbs, we're looking at an ancient book of wisdom. Uh, We're looking and we're reading the words of mostly a father. There's some other authors in Proverbs, but mostly the words of a father to his son as he's trying to impart to him just wisdom for how he navigates life. Because this dad wants what most dads want for their children, uh, he, he, he wants them to live well. He wants them to experience life at its best. And we have said all along in this series, going back to the first week of June, that at the heart of our series on Proverbs and how to live well is understanding that our God's heart for us is that he wants us to live well. Your God is for you. He is not against you. And he wants your life to be lived well. We, we've said these words of Jesus in John 10, 10, nearly every week in this series, that the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have life in all of its fullness. Jesus is saying, I want something better for you. I want what's best for you. That's God's heart for you. And, and the beauty of it is, is that God didn't leave us alone. He gave us this, this beautiful, what we call the Bible, the word of God, his inspired words that teach us how to live well. And, and Proverbs is just a concentration of a lot of wisdom of how to live well. And so we set up the series in the first few weeks and looked at some of the general themes. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. This respect and offer God is the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom. We saw that there's this principle in Proverbs of paths and that we, we have to choose which path we're going to take, the path of wisdom of honoring God or, or a path of folly or foolishness. And, and then we began looking at some of the themes. Proverbs is full of these themes. We've looked at friendship and relationships. We looked at the words that we use and how we speak, what we write, what we text, what we email, and and wisdom as it relates to our words. And today I want to show you some wisdom for how we plan, how we plan to use our time, how we plan to use our money, how we plan to use our energy, how we plan to use our abilities, how we plan to live our lives. And so if you have your Bibles, Proverbs chapter 16 we're gonna be in just verses one through three. I will tell you though that Proverbs 16, one through nine really is all about the plans that we make. There's a couple beautiful bookend statements. You have Proverbs 16, verse one that says we can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. If you fast forward to verse nine, you kind of have the book into that. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. The whole section is on the plans that we make. The first part is just more general counsel about plans. And the second part, being in verse four, he talks about even the wicked who don't plan their lives, thinking about what God wants and what honors God, God still works in the midst of their wicked behavior to accomplish his ultimate plans. And, and purposes. 
But we're going to look at just verses 1 through 3, primarily because of time constraints. So if you have your Bibles, Proverbs 16 might be a physical Bible like mine or the Bible app. Um, you can even Google um, Proverbs 16, 1 through 3, and you'll have the verses there for you. Proverbs 16, 1 says, We can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. Commit your actions to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. Let's just start with verse 1, the opening statement. We can make our own plans. Human beings are planners. God gave us a brain. That brain thinks And so you can't help but plan. You can't help but live life. You assess, uh, you process, you think, you make decisions, you strategize, and we're all the time receiving and processing information and assessing. And that ultimately results in plans. What I've even told you today, hey, we're going to be in Proverbs 16, that affected decisions and plans for you to find Proverbs 16 in your Bible. Like, we can't help but do that. As human beings, we make our plans. But if we're honest, sometimes the plans that we make, uh, we're not sure if they're the right plans. Uh, we, we struggle to know if we have the right answers. We, we know something else is that even the most proud among us know that uh, we're, we're limited, that we can't see every angle to everything. We don't know the ins and outs of every situation. And so we know that even as we make plans, that we don't always have the right answers. And so I want you to look at verse 1 and hear the father's heart. He's talking to his son. God is speaking to us and saying, we can make our own plans. You're going to make your own plans. But understand that only the Lord gives the right answer. It's God who ultimately knows what is right and what is best and what needs to be done. I love that word, the Lord. I told you this before, we even said it a couple weeks ago, that when you see the word Lord capitalized in your Bibles, capital L, sometimes it's lower, small caps, O-R-D, sometimes it's just all caps, L-O-R-D. It's a place where it's a clue that this is the sacred great name of God. Um, We would say this is where the name Yahweh is. Now I say that, and I say that lightly, uh, not lightly because of what it means, but lightly because there are no vowels in Hebrew, so we don't know, that's our best guess of how you might be able to say Yahweh. I also use it very carefully because um, the Jews who have come before us uh, refuse to even say the name of God And that's because this term Lord reveals the holiness, the the greatness, the might, the majesty. Uh, We we might say the epicness or the bigness, the awesomeness of God. And so when when you see this word, the Lord, it should, we should feel a weight to that. It should provoke wonder. It should invite respect and fear and and awe. And so here is the father saying, um, we we can make our own plans, but the Lord, the great one, the mighty God who made the heavens and the earth, the one who formed you and made you in your mother's womb, he alone knows the right answer. So, So even as we make plans, 
we have to understand that he is greater than me. So, so as we plan our days and as we plan our lives and as we plan our weeks, as we plan how to use our time and, and how to use our money and how to use our energy and how to use our talents and abilities, do we understand that, that he is greater than me? And so do we understand that even as we make our own plans, that it's only God who has the right answer? And so are we inviting him into our planning process? We need his help in making plans because he's greater than us. He, he is limitless and we're limited. He is perfect and we are not. He sees all things. He's all-knowing. The fancy word for that is omniscient. He is all-powerful. A fancy word for that is omnipotent. He, he is ever-present, all-present. He's omnipresent. And, and we are not. So he is greater than me. And again, he is perfect. He is without flaw, and we are. Look at verse 2. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. Uh, this is maybe a hard one for us to admit. I know it at least is for me. I think most of us, as we make plans really believe that we're doing it with the right motive and with the right heart, don't we? We, we want to do the right thing. At least I believe that about a lot of people. And oftentimes we can make decisions, decisions about what we're going to say, what we're going to do, where we're going to go, what career path we're going to follow, how we're going to spend money. And, and we can believe that our ways are pure, But the Lord ultimately examines those motives because the Lord knows something about us we'd be wise to remember about ourselves is that we are not perfect and, and, and we are flawed and we can deceive ourselves. I'm guessing, I don't want you to name names, uh, especially if it's yourself, but, but, but haven't we all probably been in a circumstance where someone that we care about deeply, and again, maybe it's even ourself, has lied so much about something that they actually tell it like it's the truth and they believe it. They, they've lied to themselves after they've deceived themselves. Sometimes we see this in, in our kids, right? When they're younger, that they can say something so many times that you know isn't true and they say it so much, they actually believe that it is true. Our hearts are deceptive. Here, here's what Jeremiah has to say about our hearts. Oftentimes, I just start in verse nine, but I wanna back up to verse seven because I wanna show you the contrast. Jeremiah writes, God speaks through him, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord. There's that capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They're like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. So hear that. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord. But remember this about our hearts. Verse 9, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. There's a battle that wages for our hearts, for our values, for our purpose, for how we live. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? And listen to verse 10. But I, 
the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. We can be deceived. We can believe that we are doing the right thing in the right way for the right reason. And we can be and we will be sometimes wrong. And so if we don't always have pure motives and God alone examines those motives, how much more of a reason to include God in our planning? Because if he can test them and he can see and he can know what ultimately is right, we need him involved when we make our plans. And so what's the alternative to planning ourselves? It's inviting the Lord in. Look at verse three. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Um, there, there's a powerful picture here that we miss in English. Um, the, the, the Hebrew word here that we've translated from commit uh, has a sound kind of like the rolling of a stone, goel, like a rolling of a stone. The whole idea here is that we roll our actions, we roll our lives, we roll our plans to God and say, what do you think? We, we give them to him. We commit our actions. We roll our actions to him. God, this is what I want to do. God, this is what I'm planning to do. This is what I want to do on my family vacation. This is what I want to do for a college. Uh, this is what I want to do for my career. This is what I want to do with my money. This is what I want to do with my time. This is what I want to do with my resources. God, but what do you think? So we commit our actions to him. God, let me honor you with these. And then he helps our plans succeed. And does that mean as we commit our actions to him that everything that we plan or purpose to do will, will turn out exactly how we want it to? No. But we can have the confidence that as we've charted the course and as we've planned, we've included him. Because I think all of us have probably been in that place where we knew we probably should have prayed about it. We knew we should, probably should have asked somebody about it. We knew we probably should have thought some wisdom from his word, and we didn't. And so we made a decision, usually the big decisions, and things didn't go well, and then we're filled with all kinds of regret. Like, did I really seek God on this? So, so when things don't turn out well, if I at least know I have committed my actions to him, I can trust him even when things aren't as I would want them to be. Well, we commit our plans to the Lord and feel the confidence that comes from that. So again, all decisions are on the table. Uh, we, we plan for so many things. The plan is to be human. And so as you plan how to use your time, as you plan your course for college, as you plan and chart your course for your career, as you plan how to use your resources, how you, as you plan your vacation, as you plan your family, as you plan your home, will you say, God, what do you think? God, will you show me what you want and what you desire. Now, a question that I just kind of ask practically is, what does this look like on a, on a daily basis? How do, how, do I, how do I allow the Lord to be included in my plans? And for that, I just want to give you a really simple acronym, and the acronym is PLAN. So how do you plan keeping the Lord and inviting him into the process? Well, first we pray, Right? 
we, we seek him. If the Lord has the right answers, we, we seek him and we pray and we, we lay our plans at his feet. And, and this can happen in just the, the, the course of the day. You're, you get called into a meeting you didn't know was going to happen. And so you can, in that moment, in your mind, under your breath, write on a piece of paper, take a step out and go to the restroom. You can say, God, will you help me? Will you show me what you want to say? Will you guide me in the decisions that are taking place? You can pray. Will you pray as you make decisions? And here's something that I've found. This is a great test for me. I think it's a great test for the rest of us. If we're unwilling to pray about a decision, then that might be the first clue that what we're wanting to do maybe isn't all that wise or good in the first place. There are times when I've had people ask me, well, Craig, did you pray about that? And if I'm honest, I have this kind of gut punch that says, no, because I know if I do pray about it, then God's probably not going to want that to happen. So no, I'm not going to pray about that. Um, so will you pray? And as you pray, will you listen to God's voice? Now, sometimes I've heard stories of, of people who they have heard God's audible voice. And if that happens to you, I would celebrate that with you. But for all of us, God does speak through the power of his word. And so as we're making decisions and as we're praying, will we look to his word to see what God has to say? Is what I'm planning to do, is it in keeping with his purposes? Is it in keeping with what he speaks about? Does it go against principles I see in his word? And that's not to suggest, that's not to say that every nuanced decision and plan you make, you're gonna find the exact Bible verse for. But I will tell you that the whole counsel of God's scripture is faithful to help us navigate all the decisions of life. And there's kind of this cumulative effect that comes from his word as we not only look to it for a particular decision or plan, but as we continue to read it, and obey it, that it builds within us. And so kind of in real time, as you're faced with decisions and plans, you can not only pray about them, but you can remember God's words that provide you the counsel you need to make that decision. So will we pray? Will we listen to God's voice through his word? And will we ask wise counsel? Again, this is one of those places where I think many of us know uh, when, when something we're wanting to do is not truly wise or good because we'll have someone ask us, have you talked to somebody about that? Have you asked your parents? Have you asked your grandparents? Have you, have you asked uh, that leader of your life group? Have you, have you sought wise counsel? And if we know, I don't wanna ask the advice of somebody who's wiser than me, that's probably a good sign we shouldn't be doing it. So we ask wise counsel. Look at all these verses. I think I have them on the screen for you. Um, Proverbs 12, 15. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Something that I hear sometimes, um, it usually comes from those of us that are younger, is that I don't need anybody else's advice. I can figure this out on my own. These verses should tell us that there's not a whole lot of wisdom in that. We, we need the help of others. Get all the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise the rest of your life. It's not weakness to invite wise counsel. Plans succeed through good counsel. Don't go to war without wise advice. We need wise counselors. And in the context of Proverbs, here's what wise counselors means. It's not just the smartest person when it comes to this subject matter. It's someone who fears the Lord. Remember what Solomon says, chapter one, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Remember what he says later, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
So when you look for wise counselors to ask, look for people who fear, who honor, who respect, who love God with all their heart, their soul, their mind, their strength, who you can see in their lives fruit that looks like Jesus. Fruit, as Jesus would say, that's in keeping with righteousness. You look to them, and they're modeling the type of life that you know God wants you to live. That should be who's in your circle of wise counsel. If those people aren't in your circle, if you have a bunch of fools in your circle, they're gonna lead you in a lot of ways that aren't good. We need wise advice. We need to listen to wise advice. And I will tell you that it's hardest when we're young, but it doesn't get all that much easier as we get older. What I find uh, ironic about these verses that Solomon pens, if you know the story of his son, Rehoboam, is that Rehoboam didn't even listen to his dad's advice. When Rehoboam became king, he had wise counselors around him who had walked alongside his father who said, you know what? Um, You don't need to put extra labor on your people. You don't need to make life harder for them. Here's what you need to do. And Rehoboam said, nope, I got it all figured out. And the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Israel ended up being divided into two kingdoms. It's a dark period in their history because someone said, you know what, I don't need wise counsel. So so if you wanna plan, if you wanna plan in a way that recognizes that God has the right answers, that that can can allow him to examine your motives, that can lead to, to the best success, to help you live well, it's gonna come because we pray, and as we pray, we listen for God's voice through his word, and then we ask wise counsel. I put them in that order for a reason, because we need to ask God first, listening to his voice before we ask other people. But again, similar to the word of God, asking for wise counsel kind of has this cumulative effect it builds in our lives. The more we invite wise counsel in, the more those words stick with us as we face decisions in the future. And so we need to plan, we need to pray, listen to God's voice, ask wise counsel. In the end, now decide. Once you've prayed, once you've listened to his voice, as you've asked wise counsel, then, then, then take action. Now decide and do it with, with, with confidence. This is wisdom right from his word. I don't know about you, but I, I want my plans to succeed. I, I want to have the confidence that God is honored by how I'm living. And I would guess that, that most, if not all of you, want the very same thing. So let's plan. But, but what's it going to take to plan in this way? A couple of things that I thought of. It's going to take humility. Uh, we have to remember that he is greater than me. I have to admit that I don't have all the answers. I have to put my pride aside, and that's a battle that all of us face. I have to be willing to slow down. Not just does it take humility, but it takes slowing down. Something that we don't want to face as a society right now, Americans is what I'm speaking about, is that we live life at such a pace that we don't leave room often for God to be a part of our plans. We don't. We're so busy planning the next activity, the next thing we'll do or our kids will do or the next place we will go, the next way that we will spend money, that we do not leave space to invite him in. We don't have margin in our lives for him to lead us where he wants us to go. And if we're honest, our packed calendars and schedules are one of the idols that hurts us the most. 
Will we create space? And I just think about Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus. He's talking about the spirit and, and being born again. And he talks about the, the spirit blowing uh, wherever it goes. No one knows where it comes from, like the wind or where it's going. And this is how everyone is who's led by the spirit. And yet how many of us keep such a pace in our lives that we don't even have time to hoist the sails for his spirit to blow us? We've just bought a bigger outboard engine and we just tell it where we want it to go. And so we just think, get a bigger engine. We'll drive this ship wherever we want it to be. But do we take time to say, Lord, what do you want? Will you blow me where you want me to go? One of the most holy things that disciples of Jesus can do in our culture is to live an unhurried life. Will we choose to be men and women who slow down and invite him into our plans? Will we be parents who risk the mockery of our peers because we refuse to live past the margins? We provide space for God to do his work in our heart. So we've got to be humble and we've got to slow down if we're going to plan. How else do you have space to pray and to listen to his voice and to ask for wise counsel and then to be able to decide? And the final thing I would submit to you is that we've got to change the way we think about how we use the resources of this life, our time, our abilities, our energy, our talents, our, our money. Oftentimes when we think about our time, we talk about how we spend our time. We talk about how we spend our money. We talk about how we expend our energy, how, how, we, how, we, how we use up those things. But God gives us a different picture and that's of stewardship. And when I'm a steward, I invest. What does an investment do? An investment anticipates a return. Just spending, I'm gonna get something, but do I anticipate a return? But when we are people transformed by King Jesus, we get to think about life as an investment. He has a purpose. He has a plan. How will I invest my time for the greatest return? How will I invest my resources, my income for the greatest return? How will I invest my energy and my abilities to accomplish God's purposes? And when we transform from spending to an investment mindset, it helps me think about planning with him in mind because I want to honor him. I want him to be, to be glorified in my life. And that helps me come to a place where I will pray and I will listen to his voice and I will ask wise counsel and now I can decide. Let's be men and women, young and old, who plan committing our activities in our actions to the Lord, knowing that he can make our plans successful. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the simplicity of your word. And God, I thank you for what I believe is just a convicting call to invite you into all of our plans. I don't believe there's anything too small or too large that you don't want to be involved in. It all matters to you. 
God, for those that are here that it's new to them to think about including you in the process, would you, would you help them gain confidence in your greatness, in your might, in your majesty, that you can see things we can't see, that they would choose to trust you, to look to you. Father, for those who maybe are striving to follow you, but uh, they're honest that they don't include you very often in their plans, Lord, would you, would you not overwhelm them with guilt and shame that, that leaves them slowed and, and unwilling to act? But God, would you spur them on to, to want to include you, to take steps today to invite you into what they're planning to do today, tomorrow, this week, and in the future? God, would you help us to be a people who waits on you, who looks to you, who listens to your word, who surround ourselves with wise counselors who love you, so that, God, we can leverage these moments and these lives that you've given us and invest them in a way that multiplies for all eternity. It's your name we trust and pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.